This week's show is sponsored by ManCrates.com. Very simple sell for you. You're having a hard time coming up with a Father's Day gift for a significant other, for your dad, for your husband, for yourself that you got to put on a list. Go to ManCrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, ManCrates.com slash Eric. You will find something for everyone there who's a guy. And they come in these big wooden crates with a crowbar that you got to open. They're awesome. From bar sets to knife sets to beer brewing sets to whiskey appreciation sets to hunting gifts to sports. Go to mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Good evening. It is Eric Erickson here, nine after the hour, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Casey Cagle uh, finds himself in the midst of an unexpected scandal, largely of his own doing this evening at six o'clock on WSB-TV. You'll be able to hear the audio for yourself. It is embargoed until then. Um, my understanding of the situation is that he had a, a meeting with uh, Clay Tippins after the election. Tippins recorded the conversation and has released uh, part or all of it to the media. Uh, wow. Um, so, yeah, this this is exploding this evening. It is a, a WSB TV uh, AJC exclusive uh, for today, it will, I suspect, go viral uh, given the contents of it. Now, we need to back up because I need to set up the details of this for you. During the primary on this station and others, there was an ad that ran repeatedly uh, championing Casey Cagle's defense of school choice, that Cagle was an education innovator and he was championing school choice. Well, there were rumors afoot in the legislature while it was meeting that Cagle was trying to stop a piece of legislation that ultimately passed that expands the tax credit that can be used for private schools in Georgia. Now, if you don't know what this is, um, there is a, a scholarship fund in Georgia that is run by nonprofit groups where you can donate money to these groups and you get a dollar for dollar tax credit in the state uh, up to a certain amount. And there was legislation to increase the amount that you can uh, get a tax credit, not a deduction, but a credit. So if you pay a dollar into the scholarship, you subtract a dollar from your taxes uh, like that. And uh, Cagle was trying to kill it. Well, uh, State Senator Hunter Hill has been a huge proponent of this tax credit to help get low-income families into private schools in Georgia to give them better education. Cagle's never been a fan of the program. He's not a fan of school choice. Well, you would never know that Cagle was opposed to school choice in Georgia because he championed this issue big time in the legislature after having tried to kill it. So... My understanding from the people who have listened to the audio is that uh, Tippins met with K Clay Tippins met with Casey Cagle after the election. I should also let you know that Lindsay Tippins is in the legislature in the House and is Clay Tippins' cousin or uncle. They're related, and Lindsay Tippins has routinely tried to kill school choice legislation, and he had been working with uh, Cagle 
And so Clay supports it. His relative in the legislature opposed it with Cagle. Um, and after the election, uh, Clay Tippins went to Casey Cagle and recorded the conversation. And I am told from the people who have heard the audio that Cagle uh, went after people who support school choice and made the case that he needed to support school cho- this this tax credit legislation, even though he thought it was terrible public policy, because otherwise it could help Hunter Hill against him, and he needed to stop Hunter Hill. And now one of the questions I have is, does Cagle in these conversations suggest that by passing the legislation, he might be able to get donations that would otherwise go to Hunter Hill? That could be problematic. Um, so you've got audio of Casey Cagle attacking school choice advocates. You've got audio of Casey Cagle saying that he doesn't actually support school choice, but he's got to for politics. You got audio of Casey Cagle saying he thinks that school choice is bad public policy. Now, Cagle had been wooing a lot of school choice supporters to his campaign. So essentially this audio exposes him as having lied to them. So what will they say? By the way, I got to stop here just as an aside and tell you all, I, I went after the show last night. I spoke at the Church of Christ in Noonan, had a great crowd up there, talked about uh, Christ-centered parenting and, and so it was just a good time. Uh, wrapped up by eight, was out of there by eight forty-five. Stood around visiting with people for about uh, three quarters of an hour. Uh, went over to Peachtree City to the Taco Mac over there uh, to grab a quick bite to eat on the way home. Was out of Taco Mac by ten, and when I left, um, my car navigation system told me I would be home by eleven twenty. And as I'm driving, suddenly it's I'm home by eleven thirty-five. Then suddenly I'm home by 11.57, and then suddenly I'm home at 3 o'clock in the morning, according to the navigation system, at which point it finally comes on and says, you can save two hours by following this, uh, by, by changing your route. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, um, wow. Wow. And so I follow this route, and it, it goes back to I'll be home by like 11.45, and then I'm back up to like 12:15, and you know, then by one, I am literally all in the middle of the night. I am on dirt roads in the Fayette County area. I can't tell you where I was. I went down one road, and there was a detour because a bridge was out, and I had to go off some other road that went down a dirt. It, I got home sometime close to two o'clock in the morning. There was something on 41, there was something on 75, then there was road construction on 75. It was it was the most bizarre roundabout thing. And there was nowhere to stop. I was out in the middle of like fields as best I could tell in the I mean pitch black of night from forest to it just I didn't think I was ever going to get home and I had no all I could do was trust the nav system. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> but it was a good good time with the Noonan Church of Christ folks. Um so Cagle, you know, yeah uh yes so someone texted me and said you know kegel didn't run for governor in 2010 for having a degenerative spine condition uh well uh well hmm um so here's the thing we all know that this stuff sort of happens i mean take the the hunter hills beer legislation several years ago Hunter Hill led the charge to allow the craft brewers in Georgia to sell their product. And 
I was told at the time that Cagle was the biggest impediment to the legislation because he had received a lot of campaign dollars over the years from some of the major beer distributors. And in Georgia, the um, beer distributors controlled the direct sale of alcohol. You couldn't, uh, a craft brewer wasn't allowed to sell himself. And so if you'll remember, we did an action alert on this program and had people call the lieutenant governor's office and uh, he said, nope, nope, not me, not me. I'm not involved. And suddenly the legislation was able to pass. And this has happened time and time again on pieces of legislation where I've gotten wind and said, well, Cagle's blocking it for someone and do an action alert, call the lieutenant governor's office, and the office routinely is not, nope, not us, and then suddenly the legislation passes. Uh, whether it's uh, the religious liberty legislation several years ago or the beer legislation or school choice legislation, on and on and on it goes. This happens all the time. But it's never been exposed before. And from what I understand, Tippins has just had enough. He, he thinks the whole system is corrupt. Uh, he really was serious when he was running to, to clean up the situation. Doesn't think it is going to be cleaned up. And so he's willing to expose it. Uh, so he goes into a meeting with Casey Cagle, records the conversation, and releases it to the press. Uh, where Cagle essentially admits exactly what you and I have thought all along. He, he doesn't really support school choice. Uh, he's opposed to it. He thinks it's bad for public education. And he's only supporting it because he needed to stop his opponents from getting support. Now, that's a pretty cynical way to play politics. And you can say there's nothing wrong with that. That's the way the game is played. Um, but I got to tell you, I'm a huge proponent of school choice. Uh, and I know there are a lot of uh, black mothers in the inner city in Georgia who have called this program who are desperate to get their kids out of public schools and will do whatever they can to do it. Um, and it's got to be deeply disturbing to a lot of them when Republicans tend to be the party that supports school choice to hear a guy on audio. You'll be able to hear it on WSB TV at six o'clock tonight um, saying bad things about the school choice movement. And that it's bad public policy. Uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of moms in in poor areas of the state who think school choice is a great public policy and would really like it if Republicans would get on board. You know, the other thing that's so interesting here is that often it's David Ralston who gets the blame for blocking school choice legislation. Uh, and, and here you've apparently got audio of Cagle admitting that he's the one doing a lot of the blocking, except now because he needed to stop Hunter Hill. Uh, I suspect this story is not going to go away. Let me take a quick time out for a word for a very awesome sponsor whose glass I might have sitting next to me as I record this, uh, and that would be Man Crate. So y'all listen, whether you're getting gifts for yourself, you got to like do a list for your family to give you something or you're buying for your dad or someone else. Uh, the fact is that gift giving for guys, particularly guys who can buy stuff for themselves, is difficult, uh, which is why I really like man crates. And this Father's Day, you can get your dad or put it on the list for yourself, something for your dad. There is like a whiskey appreciation crate or a knife making crate. They actually come in wooden crates with a crowbar for you to open. I got one from Man Crates a while back, and it was a personalized bar set. Uh, it had pint glasses for beer with my name on them. It had uh, coasters with my name on it. It was really cool. Really like Man Crates. Uh, have for a while. It is a great way 
to get a good gift for a guy, you can get special Father's Day discounts today at mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It's a limited time offer. It's only for Father's Day. So go today. That's mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It's a good gift. You'll enjoy it for yourself and whoever you get it for, they're going to enjoy it too. It is 26 after the hour. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So my understanding from talking to people familiar with the situation on this Kegel tape is that um, Tippins went into his campaign very adamant with the belief that the Georgia electoral processes are corrupt and that there is a lot of uh, two-faced lying and lack of transparency in government. And he campaigned on that issue to his credit. Uh, And he had been made aware of the situation with Cagle during the legislative session. Um, uh, Tippins was very vocal in supporting the expanded tax credit for school choice. Uh, found out Kegel was trying to kill it, apparently, uh, and then that he passed it. And so he just decided, even though he's no longer on the ballot, he's still serious about the need for greater transparency and exposure of the hypocrites in government and went in deciding he was going to record the conversation and see what Kegel said. I, I don't know that he expected Kegel to be as blunt. Of course, if Kegel knew he was being recorded, I'm sure he wouldn't have. Um, it'll be interesting to see if, if anyone tries to charge Tippins with a recording without consent or some nonsense like that. Um, if nothing else, though, he's exposing uh, the what a lot of people thought was true, that Cagle really doesn't support school choice. Uh, and it seems like he has. I don't know what else is in the recording. And it'll be interesting to see if this is a drip, drip, drip story with more stuff in there. Um, but uh, WSB-TV will be running it at 6 o'clock. Uh, now, we got to move on to other stories uh, as well. And, you know, th- there is the Stacey Abrams. You know, I don't want to get into the Stacey Abrams stuff um, right now. And now when we come back, we need to move on from the story. There's actually a big story out of CrossFit. Uh, you got to hear about this. Going after Christians. It is 38 after the hour. Um, our phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Um, WSB-TV's website and the AJC and WSBRadio.com will have more on the Kegel audio. Uh, benefit of having the newspaper, the TV station, the radio station uh, all on the same page. Um, it's a pretty big story. And you can go there for more. I want to move on, though, because there's another big story that should be bigger. 
Um, and it actually, it involves a guy I know, uh, my buddy Garrett, uh, who's a pastor in town, texted me yesterday about the time I was getting to the Noonan Church of Christ and say, isn't this the guy from one of our classes? Yes, Russell, Russell Berger. He was in our prophets class, sat right in front of me. He's the chief knowledge officer or was the chief knowledge officer of CrossFit, actually a fairly well-known celebrity within CrossFit circles. Um, very nice guy. He's also a, a pastor. Uh, is going to RTS uh, and pro-life activist, just an all-around good guy, orthodox Bible-believing Christian. In Indiana, there is a CrossFit, they call them boxes, CrossFit box, uh, called CrossFit Infiltrate. And the owners decided not to have a gay pride event because they're Bible-believing Christians. And they came under attack from gay rights activists. So on his personal Twitter feed, uh, Russell Berger tweeted, As someone who personally believes celebrating pride is a sin, I'd like to personally encourage CrossFit Infiltrate for standing by their convictions and refusing to host an indie pride workout. The, and then he continued with a series of tweets, The intolerance of the LGBTQ ideology toward any alternative views is mind-blowing. The tactics of some in the LGBTQ community toward dissent is an existential threat to freedom of expression. The lack of tolerance for disagreement, which has been replaced with bullying Twitter mobs promising consequences, should be a concern regardless of your political stance. I agree with everything he tweeted. And the CrossFit community, well, the CrossFit Inc., the corporate headquarters, they fired him. Because as he suggested would happen, the gay rights mob came for him on social media. They demanded that he be fired for calling uh, gay pride a sin. And he did it on his personal page. He didn't do it on the CrossFit um, Twitter feed. He didn't do it on the CrossFit page. He did it on his personal Twitter, his personal social media. And the, the gay rights mob demanded that CrossFit Inc. fire him, and they did. And again, let me read you the, 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 the series of his tweets here. The intolerance of, of the LGBT ideology toward an alternative view is mind-blowing. The tactics of some in the movement toward dissent is an existential threat to freedom of expression. The lack of tolerance for disagreement, which has been replaced with bullying Twitter mobs promising consequences, should be a concern regardless of your political stance. And he was right. I mean, the, the, the LGBTQIA, whatever, they got all these letters now, came after him and he, he was fired. What's so ironic is this came less than 48 hours after the Supreme Court released its masterpiece cake case, uh, where Justice Anthony Kennedy, in a 7-2 decision of the Supreme Court, said that uh, intolerance and bigotry against Christians in America is a real thing and is not acceptable. I mean, part of Anthony Kennedy's decision. Let me just read you this. Um, he, one of the commissioners on the Colorado Civil Rights Commission described um, Mr. Phillips's faith as one of the most despicable pieces of rhetoric people can use. And then Kennedy noted that disparaging Phillips' religion, is this disparages his religion in at least two distinct ways, by describing it as despicable and also by characterizing it as merely rhetorical, something insubstantial and even insincere. The commissioner even went so far as to compare Phillips' 
invocation of his sincerely held religious beliefs to defenses of slavery in the Holocaust. And that's what's happened with the mob against Russell Berger, who has lost his job uh, merely for defending a CrossFit box from the mob. Uh, he, he stood in their path. You know what this reminds me of? Alexander Solzhenitsyn was a Soviet dissident, and he wrote a book that every single person listening to my voice right now, regardless of your political ideology, your views, your ethnicity, your race, your religious beliefs, what every single one of you should read the Gulag Archipelago. It is that necessary of a book to read. Let me read you the small passage from it. He's talking about a, a paper factory in the Soviet Union. Then, after 11 minutes of applause, the director of the paper factory assumed a businesslike expression and sat down in his seat. And oh, a miracle took place. Where had the universal, uninhibited, indescribable enthusiasm gone? To a man, everyone else stopped dead and sat down. They had been saved. The squirrel had been smart enough to jump off his revolving wheel. That, however, was how they discovered who the independent people were. And that was how they went about eliminating them. That same night, the factory director, the one who, after 11 minutes of nonstop applause, had sat down, the factory director was arrested. They easily pasted 10 years on him, on the pretext of something quite different. But after he had signed Form 206, the final document of a Soviet interrogation, his interrogator reminded him, don't ever be the first to stop applauding. 11 minutes. This is a true story. By this, is, this is not made up. This is a true story from the Soviet Union. A director of a paper factory engaged in sustained applause for something the Soviets had done for 11 minutes. And after 11 minutes of applauding, sat down. And everyone else sat down too. And so then the Soviets came in and arrested the factory director for being the first person to stop applauding because clearly he was an independent thinker. That, that's what this reminds me of. A man tweets from his personal Twitter account a defense of a, of a CrossFit box saying, you know what, good for you guys for standing by your convictions. This intolerance from people who, who they're upset with you for disagreeing with them and they want to come wipe you out, this is bad for everybody. And so they came and they got the guy who said this is bad for everybody, this intolerance of diverse thought. They, they, they fired him, drove him from his job a job in which he was a um, um, quasi-celebrity status, wiped out by the gay activist mob because they disagreed with him and disagreed with his faith. Uh, so keep Russell Berger in your prayers. Uh, he is jobless. Uh, his family is dependent on his income. He lives over in Alabama. Um, and uh, it's just my goodness. It is all very Soviet uh, what happens these days with the mob. I have exciting news. The pig farmer has left the building and should be out of range of being able to listen to the station. So we can now talk about airplanes and recipes. Yes, we can talk about browning onions because he's not here to listen anymore. <laughs> I'm kidding. I told him I was going to do this. Maybe he is still within range. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no, no, we have other stuff to talk about when we come back. Um, oh, yeah, Charlie texts me. He's not, but I am. If I dis- get disconnected from the air, it's my producer who's hanging me up to spare y'all. <laughs> um, one more point on CrossFit. Real quick. They, they've got every right to do. They've got every right to fire Russell Berger. Uh, they're a private corporation. Uh, they can do it if they want. I just disagree with them. Uh, I really disagree with them. Um, but it's their right. Uh, I'm not. I'm not saying they don't have the right. They've got the right. I just think they made the wrong choice. And I don't have anything against CrossFit. Um, I I very much like CrossFit more. I wish I had like a one-on-one CrossFit gym around here because they all have such weird hours, and I just I have weird hours too, and mine aren't compatible with them. And so I just I hate the regular gym. I much prefer a CrossFit workout. Um, but it was CrossFit that actually caused all the blood clot problems. So maybe I shouldn't go back, but I really enjoy the workouts. Nonetheless, when we come back, we do need to get into the Singapore summit, uh, and the left's, uh, awful attack on Sean Hannity. They're completely taking him out of context, making it sound like he's advocating criminal behavior when he's doing no such thing. Um, and Joy Reid continues to crop up in the news. But before we do any of that, when we come back, The Inspector General report is coming out on James Comey and Andrew McCabe, and we need to spend a little bit of time talking about that report and why I don't want to delve super deeply into the Inspector General's report. Uh, I have reasons, and I guarantee you, you're probably going to agree with them, and I'll explain those to you when we come back here on WSB. It's eight after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The Inspector General of the Department of Justice will be releasing a report uh, about the FBI on June 14th. And there is a lot of speculation on what the Inspector General is going to say, including um, a, a report today that Andrew McCabe may have edited Mike Flynn's interview um, to spark the inquiry into Mike Flynn. Uh, you know, the the Obama administration, they hated Mike Flynn uh, because he was publicly critical of them. They forced him out of the administration um, and then Trump picked him up for his campaign. And there is uh, there is report circulating, rumor circulating today, I should say gossip, if you will, that um, Andrew McCabe may have edited his interview transcript in such a way as to make it look very damning to him so that he might be prosecuted. Um, This is gossip. This is rumor. This is unsubstantiated. And this is why I don't want to spend a lot of time on the inspector general's report. One of the things that we have seen over and over Uh, in light of multiple reports like this, is this ongoing pre-spin that both sides are trying to paint a picture in a light most favorable to them and least favorable to the other side. And a lot of times what we're finding is that they all premise their argument on a nugget of truth 
and then expand it very untruthfully. And I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to report to you, uh, portray as news to you, things from the Inspector General's report when that report has not yet been released. Uh, All we know is that there are some people who have seen parts of it. No one has seen all of it except those in the Inspector General's office. And those who have seen parts of it are selectively leaking bits of it for maximum impact in the run-up to it. People are trying to set the table, define the parameters, all of that stuff in the run-up to the release of this report. I, I don't want to be a part of that game. Here's what we know that is fact. The Inspector General is releasing a more detailed report on the behavior of James Comey and Andrew McCabe. The Inspector General has already released a specific report on Andrew McCabe recommending his termination for leaking to the media without permission. We know that James Comey testified before Congress that no one had his permission to leak. Andrew McCabe claims he did have James Comey's permission. The Inspector General found that he did not, and that is why he was fired. Beyond that, we don't know anything else until the report comes out. The report will be out on the 14th. I will read it and I will give you the news out of it, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be conveying someone's spin to you at this moment. Um, So we should move on. Uh, Related to this though, before we move on, there's a report out that Sean Hannity is encouraging people to smash their cell phones because the Mueller investigators are seeking access to cell phones to review texting apps. There are secure texting apps. Whisper is one. There's one called Dash. There's one called Signal. There's one called Telegraph. There there are a number of them out there. And even iMessages uh, on your iPhone, uh, if you're Mac to Mac or Apple to Apple device, uh, secure and undisclosed. And the Mueller investigators want access to these apps to be able to see uh, what messages were being sent. And there was a clip of Hannity encouraging people to smash their cell phones to keep the investigators from doing it, uh, from being able to inspect them. Y'all, he was he was basically joking, uh, comparing this to Hillary Clinton. The Clinton campaign, you will recall, encouraged people to smash their devices so that inspectors couldn't review them. That was Hannity's point. It was a joke. It was not real. He was not encouraging people to do this. And yet many members of the media picked up a Media Matters attack, a left-wing organization, and they picked up the Media Matters attack and they ran with it as if it was legitimate attacking Sean Hannity, who had actually done no such thing. He was, if anything, highlighting the absurdity of what Clinton had done and the failure of the media to report on it at the time. So shame on the press for getting it wrong. Now, the president is headed to Canada prior to the North Korean summit for a G7 meeting, uh, the, the top economic superpowers in the world. And he's trying to get a statement from them on the North Korean situation. The, the French are not going to participate. They're already saying they're not. And of course, the tariff issue is going to be a really big issue. The European leaders really angry with the president over the tariff situation, and I don't blame them. I'm actually being told that the Republican leaders in Congress do not want to push forward Bob Corker's plan that would rein in the president on tariffs. 
But the votes are there among the Republican members of Congress to stop the president from imposing the tariffs. You know, the GOP is kind of in a, in a catch-22 here. If they stand up to the president, they are worried that uh, they will be attacked and they may see Republicans, Trump supporters, not turn up for them uh, in November. Uh, and then they're, they're, they're likewise worried that if this were to happen, that the Democrats could win races they otherwise wouldn't win. They, they got a real concern about this. At the same time, they're worried that if they don't stand up to the president and stop the tariffs, that they could cause economic chaos. And I think they're right on that, by the way. Uh, there would be some serious economic consequences if the Republicans, or if the president implements his tariffs and they don't get stopped. Uh, there will be bad economic consequences. And most everyone understands this. Even, for example, Larry Kudlow understands this. Larry Kudlow is doing his best to convince the president not to impose the tariffs. And the reason he does not want the president to impose the tariffs is as straightforward as you can get. It would have economically disastrous consequences on the United States. Other corporations would respond. And as a result of uh, other corporations, other countries would respond. And as a result of that, what we would see is an economically devastating uh, situation for the United States where prices on American consumers increase uh, and concurrently prices on American exporters, including farmers, increase overseas. So they're trying their best to talk the president out of it. But everyone at this point is rather convinced that you can't talk the president out of this. They thought they had him talked out of it several times, and yet he's still proceeding in the direction of tariffs. So, again, there is support in Congress for what um, Bob Corker wants to do. Now, no one likes Bob Corker. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of love for Bob Corker in the Senate, let alone the House. But Corker does essentially have a piece of legislation that would take back the power to impose tariffs from the president and put it in Congress's hands. You got Democratic votes for it. They don't want the president to have this power. And you got the Republican votes for it. The question is, can you get the leadership to do it? Because they don't want to pick a fight with the president right now. They want to wait until after the election. And there's the kicker and the punchline. The day after the November election, you will probably see Republicans who have bit their tongue and played um, played on the team for the last two years, turn on the president like uh, what happens when you flip on the light and there are roaches on the counter. They will run from him like the roaches run when you turn the lights on. Y'all, remember, I had this conversation with a member of Congress in a grocery store in Washington, D.C., where, I mean, this is a guy who has defended the president of the United States on, on television. And he used just vulgar obscenities to to savage the president. But he's like, I can't say this in public. You wait until the day after the election when, when the threat of an election is gone. You're going to see some of these people just be so fed up, particularly because the Republicans probably are going to lose the House, not the Senate, but the House. Um, they'll be like, you know what? I can speak frankly now. And that's why people hate politics. It's kind of like he ties to this Kegel thing that, that he could just be honest in public and say he doesn't support school choice. Instead, he, he claims to publicly and privately bashes them. People are tired of that level of two-facedness in politics. And you're going to see a lot of this come out after the election, I'm afraid. And I don't know that the president realizes what's coming. 
Let me take a quick time out for a word for a very awesome sponsor whose glass I might have sitting next to me as I record this, uh, and that would be Man Crate. So you'll listen. Whether you're getting gifts for yourself, you got to like do a list for your family to give you something, or you're buying for your dad or someone else. Uh, the fact is that gift giving for guys, particularly guys who can buy stuff for themselves, is difficult, uh, which is why I really like Man Crates. And f this Father's Day, you can get your dad or put it on the list for yourself, something for your dad. There is like a whiskey appreciation crate or a knife making crate. They actually come in wooden crates with a crowbar for you to open. I got one from Man Crates a while back, and it was a personalized bar set. Uh, it had pint glasses for beer with my name on them. It had uh, coasters with my name on it. It was really cool. Really like Man Crates. Uh, have for a while. It is a great way to get a good gift for a guy. You can get special Father's Day discounts today at mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It's a limited time offer. It's only for Father's Day. So go today. That's mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, mancrates.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. It's a good gift. You'll enjoy it for yourself and whoever you get it for, they're going to enjoy it too. It's 26 after the hour. The phone number here is 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk, a beautiful day. I'm not complaining, but part of me wonders, are we ever going to see it rain again? I mean, just, just we don't need it this week, but will it ever rain again? Who knows? There's more Joy Reid news. I, I, the drip, drip, drip of this is starting to remind me of the Scott Pruitt story, although more significant, I think. The, the, the Scott Pruitt story, you know, the EPA director, even the Politico now is admitting that they're getting their stuff from the Sierra Club and, and other in left-wing environmental groups who are trying to oust Scott Pruitt. Uh, this Joy Reid situation now, she used to be on the radio in South Florida. Why anyone would want to listen to her, I have no idea, but people did. And she was apparently an extremely abusive employee, apparently a, a Roseanne Barr uh, type who was just abusive to employees. And it is interesting to me that MSNBC decided to bring the FBI into this story. Uh, they decided to have the FBI investigate the supposed hacking of Joy Reid. Uh, when she wasn't hacked, she lied. She said all the stuff that she claims was hacked onto her computer. She she said it all. And she it's a sign of her character that she couldn't come forward and say, yes, and my views have evolved. She couldn't do that. Instead, she had to lie and say that this stuff was hacked. They had to involve federal government law enforcement officials and take their time. Now, I can hear some people say, well, otherwise they would have been investigating the president. So what? What? why? <laughs> but, no, you get my point, though. She can't just admit that her views have evolved. She's got to attribute them to maliciousness, uh, that someone else did this. Some bigot did this, not me. And they're giving her a pass because she's a card-carrying member now of La Résistance. Compare that to these other stories of people being fired for sharing their personal views on their personal pages. <laughs> It's 
It's 38 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. The phone lines are open now. Y'all, the CRTV show uh, has been announced. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I will have a TV show coming. I, should I say, on, I guess on demand, subscription-based CRTV, you can get Michelle Malkin, you can get um, Mark Levin, uh, Matt Kibbe, formerly Freemworks, now has a show there. Stephen Crowder has a show. I have a show, not a political show, it's a family show. Uh, how to essentially navigate your family through the current cultural mess that we're in uh, and have all the conversations that really you can't have on mainstream media. Um, you can't really have a conversation in on the mainstream media. Fox won't do it. Listen, I, I tried to pitch a show like this to Fox, and they, they were squeamish of doing a show that is a, a culturally conservative show. Uh, where how do you have conversations with your family about transgenderism? Uh, where you know you're going to be called a bigot, but it's a conversation that needs to be had, or or about gay marriage. Uh, and, and how do you as a family build a community of, of faith-based people around you, people who share your values when the world is hostile to your values? And CRTV is such a natural platform for something like this. Uh, and that's why I'm doing it with them. And if you're interested at all in subscribing, you can get $20 off and 30-day free subscription, and you don't just get my show. You'll get Michelle Malkin and Mark Levin and the rest. Uh, text the word FAMILY to 345-345. Uh, that's the word FAMILY to 345-345. Several people asked about the book I mentioned in the first hour by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. It is the Gulag Archipelago, and it is a fascinating book about the Soviet Union. And it is eerie how much of the totalitarian left mirrors this book. If you weren't here for the first hour, uh, I read a, an excerpt from Solzhenitsyn's book where a manager of a paper factory stood for 11 minutes cheering the success of Mother Russia and then stopped got a business-like composure on his face and sat down. And all the other workers took their cue and stopped their cheering and sat down. And that night, the manager of the factory was arrested by the Soviet police and sent to the Gulag for re-education. And it, he was admonished by the police inspector, never be the first to stop clapping. So, you know, we had this, uh, when um, Kelvin Cochran, the fire chief in Atlanta, was fired a year after having written a Bible study for his class, and all he did was quote the Bible, including the parts that said, uh, you know, adultery and homosexuality and whatnot were sin. Uh, he was fired for it. Uh, a lesbian fire captain complained a year after the book had been written. And Kasim Reed, wanting to get gay right community support, uh, dumped him quickly. And he, I had several people write in and they said, you know, what's actually happening is um, during Pride Month, they're being encouraged to take paid leave to go participate in various events. Um, one of them was a, a nationwide bank chain that sent out a survey to all their employees. It was not an, an anonymous survey to measure their views on this stuff. And they were all encouraged to take a day off to go celebrate pride. And this guy was like, oh, I'm not going to take a day off to go celebrate 
pride. I, I'm a Christian. I'm not going to do that. I think it's sinful. Guess who's going to be the factory uh, manager who stopped clapping first? It's going to be the people who go up, go into work on the day everyone is encouraged to take a paid day off to go celebrate pride. The people who don't, they're going to be the ones who are rounded up and punished. I mean, look at this this guy Russell Berger, who it's, it's his private, or not private. It, it's not a uh, it's not a locked account on Twitter, but it's his personal one. He tweets about religion from it. Tweets about CrossFit, but he tweets about religion, and he just happens to be a senior person at CrossFit and expressed support for a uh, place in Indiana. And they they fired him for it, for being a Christian. Um, we are in no easy times. All the people cheering about the Masterpiece Gate case. You know, it is interesting. David French from National Review points out that the lawyers who regularly try religious liberty persecution cases in American courts are the ones most excited by this case. Um, but just today, a um, wedding invitation letterpress shop in Phoenix, Arizona was punished by the state because the owners did not want to do the wedding invitations for a same-sex couple. Uh, because they're Christians and and think that same-sex marriage is wrong, and so they're being shut down. Um, it's not like these cases are going away; uh, they're just going to increase. Uh, a buddy of mine says we all need to learn to start working with our hands because uh, we're not going to be able to do anything else. We'll all be driven from our jobs. Well, <laughs> I just tweeted this out. Char- Charlie is complain on on Twitter saying there's nothing wrong with delega- delegating responsibilities. Uh, E.W. Erickson made me get his coffee and shine his shoes for years. This is in response to a Daily Beast story that, oh, horror of horror, Scott Pruitt made <gasps> public servants fetch his protein bars and Greek yogurt. Um, seriously, who cares? Who who cares? If you have an assistant or someone works for you, you're the boss and you want a cup of coffee, you're busy, they get you coffee. Uh, some of these stories are so frivolous and nonsensical. Um, this is this is just silly to me. Some of these stories, and I'm I'm increasingly concerned with uh, Scott Pruitt and some of the behaviors that have come out. But at the same time, there's just this drip, 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 and I realize it's them trying to make me concerned about these stories. And some of them are crazy. Like for example, the story that Scott Pruitt dined in the White House mess hall too much. He's allowed to. He's a cabinet secretary. The EPA doesn't have a cafeteria. It's one of the few governmental agencies that doesn't have either a cafeteria or a break room. And so if Scott Pruitt wanted lunch, he would walk two blocks down to the White House mess hall and get lunch. And there's a story out that that was a faux pas. There's And you know where this comes from? It comes from Freedom of Information Act requests from the Sierra Club which is just another admonition, another proof that it's these left-wing environmentalist groups that are out to get Scott Pruitt. I mean, these are just nonsensical stories. I And I'm not going to defend everything Scott Pruitt has done, but more and more it just makes me realize that these people are out to get him. It doesn't matter what it is, they're going to twist the truth just enough to try to get rid of the guy, so maybe we all need to stand by him. It is 55 after the hour. You know, one of the, the drip, drip, drip stories about Scott Pruitt is he enlisted an EPA personnel slash lobbyist to try to get his wife a Chick-fil-A franchise. Uh, and 
the Washington Post has a story that it, it's actually harder to get a Chick-fil-A franchise than it is to get into Harvard. That there are over 40,000 applicants a year for only about 115 slots. And they call them operators, really, not franchise franchisees. And they, they pay $10,000. And then Chick-fil-A builds everything which is why they're not really considered a franchise. And interviewing people that, uh, that Chick-fil-A can long-term be very, very rewarding for the operators, um, but to really have it pay off and make money, you got to actually spend six days a week working in your own store. Um, and some of these stores are, see, $4 million a year in sales. I mean, it's just phenomenal numbers. Uh, it's the most popular and hardest restaurant brand to get into. And what's so funny about it is how hated it is by the political left. I mean, and, and you know, a lot of the people who claim to hate it, they go eat there anyway. They just don't tell anyone. Uh, everybody loves, I had Chick-fil-A for lunch today. Everybody loves Chick-fil-A. At least they should. People who, who actually aren't screwed up in the head should. Nonetheless, I digress. If you want a copy of the show, text the word SHOW to 444-999 and, oh, we'll have more on Singapore tomorrow.